This is an ABC podcast. Hey, Miyuki Okiranta here with Earshot. And on this episode, something every parent of a teenager will relate to. How to manage screen time. Other parents get in your head. Oh, my child never goes on social media. My children are, you know, free range, organic out in the backyard, don't even own an iPad. The fear of what's going on in their online world and what they're missing out on by being glued to the internet. I'm trying to pull back from saying, what are you doing, what are you looking at? Who are they following? But possibly more importantly, who's following them? Do you ever share, like, bad photos and that sort of thing? And I was a little bit like, okay, this is a little bit weird. We might think we're pretty internet savvy, that we understand social media. We know what dangers lurk in the world. But producer Sarah Allerley discovered she was 10 steps behind her 13-year-old daughter Ruby when her efforts to protect her by banning her online activity backfired. Teenagers are complicated and mine is especially so. We've got a tricky relationship. We always have. Throw into the mix an ADHD diagnosis Ruby's dad, Miles, and I separating just before she started high school. All of us adjusting to the two households thing. And then the introduction of a phone. I was pretty scared about how screens were going to change my daughter. Alarmed that laptops are now essential for schoolwork. I wanted her to be out riding her bike with friends and hanging out in the park like she used to, and like I did as a kid. But opening the floodgates to the internet turned out to be even scarier than Miles and I had imagined. Well, I was just sitting and doing something on our computer and I kept getting these ping notifications distracting me. It's like three different messages from Pinterest. Yes, Pinterest, that seemingly innocent place to collect pictures of things you like. And so it turned out to be from someone named Chloe Mason 87. And I started reading through all of this communication that she'd been having with Chloe Mary Mason 87. I didn't think Pinterest was a big deal because I thought Pinterest was about looking at pictures. Craft. I thought it was about craft. Yeah. It only started with someone messaging her saying, oh, I think I like the things that you have picked out on Pinterest. And then the next response was, maybe we should be friends. And then they started chatting back and forth to the point where this person was saying, oh, I think I've fallen in love. And then our daughter was like, with who? And the response was, with you. And our daughter was like, I think I feel the same. This supposed 14-year-old girl from Texas, uh, sometimes I do bad things and my parents don't, you know, understand me. Do you feel that way sometimes too? And Do you like to do bad things? Do you like to take photos of bad things? It made me go, this sounds a little bit weird because it's slowly introducing the idea that you're going to like sharing some photos of yourself that have bad things in them, which could be what? This all happened after we'd set up a bunch of blocks and restrictions on Ruby's devices. So I did a reverse search of the photo of the person and realised that it was a character from a Norwegian TV show. And then I did a further search just for the name and found the mugshot of a woman in prison in Oklahoma who was born in 1987. And I was like, 
Oh my God. So wait, Chloe Marie Mason, 1987. This is the person that she's been talking to a woman in an Oklahoma prison. Hang on. But there wasn't there some stuff about them arranging to meet up in America. Yeah. Yeah. There was like, I'm going to be going with my dad to the States. Maybe I can come and visit you. When Miles first told me about this, I freaked out. We both did. I can't prove Ruby was being groomed, but it sure looked like it. Miles had the conversation with her and she didn't believe him. She insisted we'd got it all wrong. It really worried me that she wasn't aware of the warning signs. Miles left Ruby's Pinterest account open for a few months as evidence in case we decided to go to the police. Yeah, and then the name, since, since I've gone back, that same profile, the name's totally changed and the photo's totally changed. So. After this discovery, we tightened the screws. Ruby could only access the internet for schoolwork. Her screens could only be used in public parts of the house. Miles deleted her social media accounts and blocked access to the sites. We went hard, but so did Ruby. Our crackdown only motivated her to sneak around, lying and tricking us. We later found out she'd cracked all our parental controls and was secretly using her computer in the middle of the night and spending a lot of class time on TikTok and Pinterest. It was like whack-a-mole trying to keep her off social media. And so Miles deleted all her social accounts again. We really had no idea what to do and still have no idea of the right way. I'm really struggling with all this. It's affecting my mental health. Ruby's withdrawing. I don't know if we've got this right. And so the computer and everything was supposed to be sitting upstairs overnight, you know, in the dining room. Yeah. Simone's helping me clean up after dinner. Her daughter's been Ruby's best mate for years. And I realised a couple of times last week that she was putting the, the case with some books in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ruby was filling up her laptop case with books, so it looked like she had placed her computer in the dining room overnight. You know, because she's not doing well at school. She's not getting her homework done. Right. I figured out that she's telling me she's doing homework times when she said she's doing homework. She's actually this on TikTok. So we went into the school and chatted to the deputy principal. And I was, like, trying to put it back on them. They're like, well, the department Wi-Fi blocks TikTok, so she's hotspotting. Oh, she's smart. <laughs> like, you always have to admire them when they're smart, right? <laughs> the whole time she's been telling me that she's hotspotting because the Wi-Fi at school's not good enough. And the school were like, no. Oh, and half-truth too. Yeah, well, well, I know, I know. Well, Sorry. And I was like, oh, can you get rid of mobile phones? Like, you know, this is a bugbear of mine, the phones in the class. And they said, no, it's too hard. We need political leadership for that. It's got to come from the government. We don't want to be dealing with parents who say, no, I want to be able to contact my student all the time and mm. all of that. A lot of parents are fighting this battle on two fronts, at school and at home. But I feel like we're losing. Where I live in New South Wales, mobile phones haven't been banned in public high schools yet. Most other states and territories have policies banning phones from high schools. But our high school put the onus back on Ruby. So then the next thing was they were basically like, it sounds like she's got an addiction. Can we talk about this as an addiction? And I went, yes. And I, mm. I kind of clutched onto that, like, oh, yeah, yes, that's a good way to think of it. But then when I put that to Ruby and she just went, off. She did not like that. She was like, yep. And fair enough, right? Because it's a label, it's something that's wrong. And she just hated it. And she was just screaming. And she's like, 
Of course I had to do it in the middle of the night because you wouldn't let me do it any other time of day. Of course I had to go and get all the social media accounts behind your back because you told me when I asked you when I could get them, you basically said never. Mm. And in that moment, I just finally heard her and went, oh, my God. Oh, I you hate know? that when that happens, when your child just calls you out. It just, it, I just went, wow, I have got this wrong. I'm just going to jump in here and address an elephant in the room. You're probably waiting to hear from Ruby herself. Well, I tried and I tried. But whenever she agreed to be recorded, it just ended in an argument and she withdrew permission, which I need to respect. A few days after that confrontation, I catch up with a friend, Caroline, whose son went to primary school with Ruby. Starting high school, he set off with, you know, his clean white shirt and we were all very excited. And then come parent-teacher interview, which is about eight weeks into school, we discovered that he actually was not doing any learning and he was just sitting in the back of the class on his device. We were shocked. So Caroline and her husband decided to take a super hard line on screens and make him go... Completely free of devices to school. And he took it on board and he did actually um, engage in his learning a lot more and had more of a rapport with the teachers. But then as time passed... It's hard to hold a very firm approach with parenting because it becomes exhausting and you have to be so vigilant. So they allowed him more control? We ended up finding out that we're actually all happier as a family to the point where, okay, you make your choices and you have those consequences of those choices. We just allow him to make stupid mistakes like staying up at two or three in the morning and then having to get up at school to try and learn and then getting bad results and realizing that perhaps he needs to you know, get his shit together. And then there was times where we went back and went, no, look, this is crazy. Look at him, you know, like he can hardly stand and put his shoes and socks on to get out the door because he's been up all night. But it's, it's really hard. It is hard to find that balance because you do, you want the best for them and they don't really perhaps know what the best for them is. As soon as it just starts to become to a point where we're just wanting to kill each other, it's time to step back because our relationship is more important than anything. And guess what? He did pretty well at school last year. I'm kicking myself for not chatting to Caroline and Simone about all this much earlier. What I've realised as well is that restricting and banning just hasn't worked. You know, dictatorships look like a lot of work to me. That looks exhausting. And because people just resist and you have to crack down more and more and more. Like you said, you realised never was a huge mistake that you'd made. When can I have this never? Simone's a solo mum and her and her daughter Scout are a tight unit. Scout started asking for social media when she was 11, but it really ramped up as her 13th birthday approached. But her dad is not keen at all. Really flipped out at the idea of her going online. She's interested in TikTok. She's watching all the cute little videos and stuff. I got on TikTok and it was chaos. It's just noise and light and sound and 30 second grabs and there's no way to control it or curate it. So I suggested to her that Instagram would be a better choice because you have much more control over your feed and who you follow and who you don't and what comes up. She agreed to that 
been talking to Scout for a long time about the internet since she was about five, probably because I have just done so much child protection training. It gave me a great understanding of what grooming looks like. Really? So, like, because I, I think this is something I've really dropped the ball. I've realised I think I made an assumption that they were learning it at school. Mm, yes. I Well, I started pretty early with the simple idea that not every adult on the internet would wish you well and some adults will pretend to be children. And I sat her down one night and I, I just was very honest that children have been tricked into going overseas and have been abducted. I think they pussyfoot around it at school. Mm. I just made all these assumptions and I'm just now going, oh my God, like, mm. I, I need to have these conversations. Restricting and controlling screen use had made sense. But now I feel like I'm losing Ruby and I want her back. Something has to give. I have an epiphany. I need to do a complete 180. I need to reconnect with her so I can follow her down the rabbit holes instead of trying to block them off. I need to understand who she's following. I actually have no idea. So suddenly I'm trying to convince her dad, Miles, to relax all the rules I demanded and get on board. I totally understand why he's getting whiplash from my sudden turnaround. My psychologist suggests we try collaborative problem solving with Ruby. We need to make her feel heard and involved. Miles and I have what we think is a bright idea. And after, I debrief with Simone, mum to Ruby's best friend. Oh, well, why don't we take Ruby out for lunch and we'll go for her school report that I hadn't seen yet and she hadn't seen. And then we'll go as a segue. Okay, so how are we going to do things differently or better next year? But it was a disaster. <laughs> Can you guess why? Well, the school report in combination <laughs> with such a challenging conversation <laughs> sounds wild. <laughs> Am I on? The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like. <laughs> I hadn't read the school report and I was a bit shocked about it. Oh, it was worse than I thought. Too. <laughs> I'm so sorry for laughing. <laughs> But jokes aside, how are we actually going to make this happen? A decision has to be made. And if you don't contribute, I just remind Scout that then I have to make the decision as the parent and you might not like it. And so we head into the long summer holidays. Another minefield for parents trying to manage screen time. I've taken Ruby and her 10-year-old sister to New Zealand to stay with my parents. I'm experimenting with stepping back to let Ruby self-regulate. But she disengages from family and stops doing all the active, fun stuff she used to love. Going to the beach, swimming in rivers. I'm really struggling with that. I miss her when we do these things. But how much of this is just age-old teenage stuff? How much should I worry? I'm already feeling really down and confused when I check her laptop and discover she's tricked us again her dad had decided she didn't need to bring it and then she said I really need it to be able to listen to music and I said well if it's for listening to music then that's fine so I kind of argued the case for her and I've just been trying to trust her that that's what she's doing and every time I go into the room where she's hanging out most of the day she kind of closes the laptop and then I say oh what are you up to and she's oh I'm listening to music yeah yeah I'm a bit naive and too trusting perhaps yeah, she's been on TikTok all day long, YouTube all day long, Pinterest, all these things. So she's just basically hiding out in her room, saying she's just drawing and reading. I'm feeling a bit disappointed and I'm trying to figure out what to do. 
now we're fighting again. <laughs> do I let it go? I really don't know. I really don't know what to do. She's just extremely difficult. Also just denies everything. She said, oh, I was on TikTok for five minutes. And I said, look, I know that's not right. She just really quickly got annoyed and picked up a cushion and whacked me quite obviously with it. And I was holding a hot cup of tea, chai with lots of turmeric in it. And it went all over me, all over my clothes, all over the floor, over the couch. We had a hard few days. But after things settled, we had a few breakthroughs. And then it was time to head back to Sydney for a new year. A fresh start for Ruby in year eight. Hello. It's Ruby's first day back at school when Miles and I are checking in. Oh, I'll just take my shoes off. I think she's really just wanting school to go well. She bought a whole bunch of Peter Rabbit stickers to put all over her notebooks and on her phone and everything. And did she bring up having the WhatsApp back again? This has been a contentious point. Miles removed WhatsApp from her phone at the end of last year, but I'm worried we're isolating her socially because that's where all her school friends seem to be communicating. I have a feeling that she's connected with the people that she wants to connect with on Discord because she's really interested in this game-playing community, communicating with people around the world who are all, like, following these superstars of Minecraft. Today is the Dream SMP finale stream. Please subscribe and thank you all for everything. Your VC, tomorrow. My VC. Wait, let's get back. Let's get... Wait, okay, here's the Bastion, right? She's got a whole world made up around these characters of Sapnap and Carl, and there's, like, the names of, like, 30 different people who make a living playing Minecraft on Twitch and then recording themselves or playing it live. Are you ready? I have no Are idea how to go. But he is a, a YouTube stream. Yeah, let's, um... We're going to get the discs back tonight. We don't need to do any killing unless... It's weird because it's just, like, this club of her communicating with her friends about these stars of YouTube. <laughs> Minecraft star, Mi Minecraft YouTube stars. I can stars. hear a little bit of old man judgment in there, Miles. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I mean... But it doesn't interest you. I mean, look, it doesn't interest us, but well, I... Just, I mean, it doesn't seem to interest her either. But it what does, but I think it does. The social like, aspect is, but she's not like a Minecraft fanatic. But I, it seems that that doesn't matter, and mm. I kind of think... It's not interesting to me, but it's harmless. Then I can control the server again. Because this isn't Tommy SMP or Tubbo SMP, it's Dream SMP, right? Slowly, we're nutting out a more relaxed approach, but I'm still torn, unsure what the boundaries should be. Every day throws up a new challenge, like do I let Ruby keep her phone in her room when she's homesick? Especially now it's day three and I'm not sure she's actually that sick. My psychologist suggests I talk to Jocelyn Brewer, another psych who specialises in helping families grapple with all these challenges. Watching Twitch streamers gaming is kind of like us watching um, cooking shows. Like we watch MasterChef, we watch Nigella. It's social learning. Mm, that makes sense. And I guess when I was 13, I spent hours chatting on the landline, stretching the cord into my bedroom. And I think this has a lot to do with your relationship and putting that opportunity for her to speak and be heard and for us to 
talk less and listen more. While the end game might be to have her understand more about the quality of the content, to really get her back on board, you're going to need to spend some time really deeply listening and validating her online experiences. So you've got to listen to your young people talk about their online world as if they're about to tell you the lotto numbers. Because if, if you're kind of faking it and you're invalidating it, they're seriously not going to come to you about the big stuff. And I think it's really important that we say, this is so different to the world I grew up in. Help me understand you better. Share with me like I'm a two-year-old because kind of we are in these spaces. So what does Jocelyn suggest for this complex scenario of someone like me, a sensitive mum who slightly overthinks things, dealing with an impulsive, neurodiverse, super smart 13-year-old? Often we're just repeating some of the patterns and the communication styles of our parents. And so it's doing our own work to regulate our nervous systems, manage our own stress and be able to come to some of our kids' behaviours from that place of connection rather than from conflict. So I always encourage parents to be curious and not furious. This hits home. I do tend to be quite reactive. I need to breathe more. And yeah, I have an old bad habit of trying to control situations and people, but I'm working on it. There might be some anxiety there about actually being out and about with people. Mm, yeah, Ruby does get quite anxious at times. To kind of be in the, the safety of her own bedroom. And rather than focusing so much on screens, focus on all the other things that need to happen. And then the screen-based media use happens in the gaps. But her final words sum it up. It's like the old drug and alcohol debate, focusing on harm reduction, not a ban. Building too much of a high barbed wire fence around devices really, I don't think, works. You can't fence an ocean, which is the internet. It's harder than I thought to follow Ruby into her online world. I'm trying so hard to get her to share what she's looking at, but she's resisting. I've realised I was still coming at it like I was checking up on her. But now I'm genuinely curious to understand her. Because she's actually super interesting. She's into great music. I check in with Miles. Her usage of social media has to be monitored and evaluated as we go. Because if it's impacting her schoolwork and her social life, then it's hard to tell whether or not what's happening with her inability to focus is based on a diagnosis of ADHD or if it's based on getting, you know, 150 WhatsApp messages every hour plus being on 12 different social media platforms with notifications set up for all of them. I mean, I wouldn't be able to function if that was happening with me. I admit I'm grateful Miles is keeping his eye on the academic ball. He agrees to have another go at asking Ruby how she thinks she can balance her schoolwork with her internet use. I think also emphasising that we need openness. So great, we have a plan. But it's never that simple with Ruby. When I raised it with her last night, she got really angry and upset and said she didn't want to have a formal meeting and it was too much. And I, I started off by saying, Look, we have to do this, this is actually compulsory, like we're wanting to hear what you want and we're willing to give you more, but we need to talk about it, you can't just not shut the conversation down. And then she made a suggestion, she said, can I write it down? And I thought, maybe I should give her that opportunity. So I thought she'd probably spend half an hour on something, but she actually spent hours and hours and hours on it. Reading her two-page essay on how to solve our problems brings me so much joy. All right, so it starts with screen stuff. 
here are some changes I would like to have on my screens and some personal changes I will make. First of all, I would like to get these apps on my phone. Twitch, I would like Twitch as an app so I can watch the streamers I enjoy watching when they are live. That's an interesting point. The reason I need the app for this is that it notifies you when someone you follow is live. Without, I have no way of knowing. I can show you some of the videos I watch. I'm sorry for not showing you before. I think I'm just a bit nervous you'll judge me. Sorry. Oh wow, this is really... I mean, I feel like she'd never say this to us, so it's really good she's offered to write it down. TikTok, Pinterest and Twitter. I would like permission for these and to have them as an app. I would like Twitter because the streamers I watch are all very active on Twitter. Discord is just an easy kind of less urgent place to talk with my friends. She's really... yeah. I promise not to hotspot at school. Maybe I can show you the homework I have and you can make sure I do a bit when I get home and show you after. That's cool. And then tiny writing. Um, I think that's it. I hope we can work some of these things out. Thanks. That's really beautiful. So I feel like this is almost like a little bit of a, a contract, you know, like we can sort of say, well, you know, it's in writing. <laughs> Maybe I'm being naive, but I just feel like this has got to be the way forward. This is Mr. Beast's Tesla, and we're going to steal it. No joke. And wow, perhaps it's writing out her thoughts for us, but finally she agrees to share some of the videos she watches. Let's go! Sapnap, you're in Jimmy's car. Sapnap is her favourite player from her beloved multiplayer Minecraft server, known as Dream SMP. Get in the car! Can we redo that? I admit I prefer the next one she shares of fellow player Tommy Innit doing lie detector tests. I don't lie! Well, slightly prefer. Have you ever given someone bad YouTube advice on purpose? No. <laughs> but it's huge progress. The next morning is even better. She shows me this one. I think she deliberately shares this clip by a female gamer from Dream SMP. This is an article about information about me. Why does someone just want my weight and my measurements? That's weird. Ruby says she's watched this clip over and over. It gets better. She weighs around 55 kilograms. I myself didn't know my body measurements and her cup size. Yeah, it really felt like we'd made some progress. <laughs> This is not my cup size. <laughs> Anyways. So Miles and I go over Ruby's requests and agree to a compromise, which I take back to her. As soon as I say she can have the Twitch app, she gets really animated. She explains she's not that interested in watching people play Minecraft. It's the creative sideshow. Fans making videos and artwork in response to the games. Minecraft, if you don't know, it's not a shoot 'em up game. It's like a blank canvas where you build worlds. Her superstar Dream SMP players create a world with characters based on themselves. I think I got that right. Anyway, it's a good chat, and she even says thank you. And on the pedestal, these words appear. The next day, she offers to take me further down her rabbit hole, although again, she's worried it won't make much sense. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, ye mighty and despair. Yeah, that's a Percy Shelley poem being read as part of an impressive animated video a female fan made. One of the players quoted this during a Minecraft session. Okay, I'm realising there's more depth to some of this than I assumed. It's not all vacuous. Ghost was pickaxe, the Shekhov's gun. I still don't really know what that means. Shekhov's gun? 
I think it's a history. I do not thing. be patronising. I admit it. I don't understand what it is, but I'm just nodding my head like I'm getting it. So I can control the server. No, what I'm... am I without you? Yourself. I feel like I'm getting to know my daughter again. It's exciting she's letting me into her world. And actually, the more I know, the more I respect it. I'm walking on thin ice, though. It's easy to say the wrong thing and suddenly be that really irritating mum again. She still wants more freedom. In the meantime, we've met in the middle. And we'll keep on talking and listening. Follow Me Down the Rabbit Hole was produced by Sarah Allerley on the lands of the Gadigal people. The supervising producer was Kirsty Melville, working on Kukacha Country. And the sound engineer was Isabella Tropiano. Next time on Earshot, follow me out of oblivion. The line between healthy drinking and alcohol abuse is blurry and is often crossed before anyone realises. Claire started with one a night, but ended up following the path to oblivion. Don't miss it. I'm Iyukiyoki Ranta. I'll catch you then. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.